God bless you. If you're here this morning and you've gone through difficult times this week, God has been with you. He's been your source of strength. If you've had questions today about the, the things that have happened this week, can I say we've all had questions about things that come our way. I want to say this. There's times when I've, I've just had to say, Lord, I don't have the answer, but you do. And I'm one of your kids, and you don't have any grandkids, so I know that you hear my cry just like you hear others when they cry. And I'm crying out, Lord, I'm putting this situation in your hands today because your hands are bigger than my needs, and your grace is sufficient, and it's made perfect in my weakest hour. And you said, let the weak say I'm strong. Let the poor say I'm rich. Not because, of my, not because of what I've done, but it's because of what you've done. And so we have the word of God. It's a lamp unto our feet in the darkest hour that we live. It's comfort to our heart when we realize when Jesus left the followers, he said, if I go away, I'm going to send you a comforter. And we've all been to the place in life when we felt like the Holy Spirit was 10,000 miles away because we just couldn't feel his presence. Can I say this? God's presence is not based on how I feel. It's based on his word. And he said, I will be with you always, even to the end. And so I'm here today to encourage you. We're preaching on the title, Focus. I thought I was through uh, two weeks ago with this series, and then it, they've just continued to grow. And so again, this morning, we're, we're going to be the, using the thought, focusing on God's Word. Focusing, staying focused. We all get distracted. There's distractions every day of your life that's going to do everything it can to pull you off, 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 off of what you have in sight for your life, of what God's plan is for your life. There's going to be distractions that will always be showing you things that you're not doing that you could be doing, things you, you could have fun at you're not having fun at, things that you, you could eat you've never ate before and you can pay the consequences later. They're called distractions. But God wants us to know in these hours that the Bible says in the last days there will be peerless times. And never have we witnessed such peerless times as we're having in America today. It's almost like a third world country this morning. But America is still a great place. And I believe God has ordained this chapter of our America to bring America back to God. To, so that we can say, one nation under God indivisible with liberty and justice for all god's plan is for america to be strong so that we can be an example to others so we'll have money to lend the bible says the borrower is a, is a slave to the lender and god wants america to bring be brought back so that they can be the lender and not the borrower because we're the head and not the tail, we're the above and not the beneath. And Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes. I was looking at an illustration or two for the message today, and I came across an illustration that talked about some thieves that had broken into a store but didn't steal anything. Instead, they exchanged a tag, and they took a tag of $6,000 ring and put it on an art artificial ring that sold for $99 and they took the tag off of the $99 ring and they put it on the $6,000 diamond and uh, they took all of the, the tags throughout the store and just 
just scrambled them and, and uh, as, a, as the imitation uh, things in the, in the jewelry store were stolen uh, at the reverse tag uh, price, people came and bought up the stuff. They spent a lot of money on worthless things and a little bit of money on expensive things. And can I say this this morning? We live in a culture today that has switched to tags. And we put a lot of money on flashy things. And, and we, we look at 39-cent things, and we put a price tag on that. And that 39-cent ta- uh, price tag on character will lead you astray. Put, we put a lot of money in expensive homes, and I love expensive homes. I, we spend a lot of money on expensive cars, and I'm a lover of nice cars and especially nice pickups. And, and, and yet, sometimes we put a 10-cent tag on our integrity. But God is interested in your integrity. He's interested in you being truthful. But the world has switched to price tags today, and don't let anybody switch the price tags on you and sell you a bill of goods this morning. God's Word is faithful. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. If he said it 2,000 years ago, it's still good today. Many days in the journey of life, I have examined my own heart. Due to circumstances and due to things that come our way, sometimes our heart can become hardened. Sometimes we continue to deal with circumstances through the years, and instead of improving, they get worse. And and it isn't long before, if we're not really on guard and asking God to help us, we, we wind up one morning with a hardened heart. And we're just not moved with compassion toward people or toward situations that we were at one time in our life. And then I've watched, and if you're here today, a smoker, and you use tobacco, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the Christian people that don't use tobacco. And you may be a Christian and you use it. That's your business. But many people smoke day after day, month after month, year after year. And all of a sudden, their ability to breathe is impacted by the lungs because the liner has become hardened. The lung is supposed to have a soft lining around it so that it can handle fresh oxygen as you breathe it. Can I say this? You can read the Bible until you become blue in the face, but if you read it with a hard heart, the Spirit can't penetrate it. And can I say this this morning? Here's the power punch for that statement. The Bible says, let a man examine himself so i'm not saying that to you this morning i'm saying it to us i didn't write it i'm just your table server this morning and god has called me to be the table server in your life today and i want to serve your table to the best of my ability because i'm going to eat at your table too and if I watch that you're not really interested in me sitting at your table, I'm going to watch where you live when we get to heaven, and I'm going to move next door to you, and boy, are we going to have fun at your expense. So just act like you love me, okay? Just, just put on a big smile this morning as I preach to myself. We live in a world that's upside down today, but God wants us to live right side up. He wants us to know what the truth of His Word says. He wants us to know that he's given us the ability to become doers of the word and not hearers only. And as we process life, it's important that you and I know the truth about our own life. The Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not. 
And, and you can hear things on the, on the news today, and you can wonder if it's true or not. And a lot of things that you're hearing on all the networks are not true. It's called propaganda. <laughs> it's called politics. But God's Word is not politics. It's basic instructions before leaving earth. And God wants you to be filled with instructions. We had traveled to Huginton yesterday for Arlie's sur funeral service, his memorial service. And uh, I'd never been in Huginton, downtown Huginton before. And uh, as small as it is, they have traffic lights. And uh, I'm always blessed when you let me drive your car home and go somewhere because I think if I make a wrong move, they'll think it's Craig and not me. It's just a joy to drive somebody else's car. I, I enjoy driving somebody else's car. Well, our church secretary had a new car, and so uh, Bill and JoJo uh, uh, and I tr uh, got in that car. And we traveled to Huken, and we were looking for a place to, uh, to eat lunch. And uh, so we came to an intersection. I was not, I was not, uh, uh, I had no knowledge of Huken, and I came to a stop, and then I just, pulled out in the middle of the intersection, and Bill said, did you see that red light? I said, no, I didn't, so I stopped. Right out in the middle of the intersection, there was cars coming, and uh, they started laughing, knowing that I'm sure they looked to see what tag, tag was on the vehicle when we went through the in intersection. But, I, but uh, really, I was processing, processing this. Uh, I'm not in my car, <laughs> my pickup today, <laughs> and they don't know the church secretary has a new one. Isn't that awesome? You, I'm telling you, when you make a boo-boo, just look around to see and start laughing with the rest of the people. Yeah, we've all boo-booed before, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, we've all did things. We, sh we You know, and after we did, we'd look around. Have you ever hooked your toe and stumbled and fell? And it, were you like me? You jumped up and looked around to see if anybody was... There's three of us. It's awesome. Been a real busy week, Tuesday, two funerals. I need your prayer. I picked up my devotion book that Wanda Clayton introduced to, the, to me a couple of years ago. And, uh, and I opened it up this morning about daylight. Just My message was already together, and I just opened it up knowing the message would be on focus. And can I read you, before I read God's Word, what my devotion said to me this morning? Remember, the title of the messages have been on focus the past three or four weeks. And as I opened to January the 29th, it, whilst the sun had not yet risen, here's the words that leaped off the page to your pastor. Keep your focus on me. I have gift, gifted you with freedom, including the ability to choose the focal point of your mind. Only the crown of my creation has such remarkable capability. This is a sign of being made in many images. Let the goal of this day be to bring every thought into captive to me. Whenever your mind wanders, lasso those thoughts and bring them into my presence. In my radiant light, anxious thoughts shrink and shrivel away. Judgmental thoughts are unmasked as you bask in my unconditional love. Confused ideas are untangled while you rest in the simplicity of my peace. I will guard you and keep you in constant peace as you focus your mind on me. If you don't thank God's mercy, <laughs> he rewrites my life every day. And he does it with the word of God. Yeah. And so with these words, I want to share this morning what 
I feel the Holy Spirit has given us for today. And I want you to realize that the message is for the pastor, and if you get anything out of it, it's, it's uh, because uh, of Jesus, okay? I want to look at a man's life that was a good, good example. Not that he didn't have stuff in his life that really messed him up. He lied. He didn't tell the truth. He even put his wife in jeopardy of the king. He just, he just done a lot of dumb stuff in the journey of life, but yet God spoke to him. And that makes me feel good because I realize God doesn't just speak to smart people. He speaks to some of us that are still working on it. You can laugh at I'm talking about myself, Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're going to focus on the life of Abram today because he stayed focused because even though he did some dumb things and even though he wasn't a perfect man, God still talked to him and he's still talking to all of us today. And I'd like to start with the scripture in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of this country from your family and from your father's house and to a land I'll show you, and I'll make you a great nation, and I'll bless you, and I'll make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse whom who, him who curses you, and you and all your families of the earth shall be blessed. And can I stop here? Abraham, Abram is 75 years old and childless when God speaks to him. What's he say? I'll bless those who bless you, and I'll curse him who curses you, and you and all your family of the earth shall be blessed. Let me ask you, Abraham and Sarai are two people. That's called a couple, not a family. But notice what Abram, Abram did. God spoke. Here's what he does. He's asking him this day, I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave Chester, Oklahoma. I want, to leave all, I want you to leave all your kids and your grandkids. I want you to leave your dad's house. And I'm going to take you someplace that you don't even know where I'm taking you. How many would have packed up? I'd said, is there somebody else up there? Surely that's not the Lord. He knows how hard I worked. He knows how hard I prepared so I could live here. He knows the struggles I've been through. And now he's asking me to leave houses and lands, father and, and, and all of my, everything behind and take me somewhere. I don't know where he's going to take me. Verse 4 says, Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot, his nephew, went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. You know the good part about that is? I'm 75. So I know God's still speaking to me. You can always look at the scripture. There's always something in there just for you. This is tailor-made. I don't know. And don't get in. Don't be telling me after the service you'll come over this afternoon and help me pack. <laughs> he hasn't told me to move, but I know he's still speaking. Moving on. Then I want us to skip uh, several scriptures. I want us to go to Genesis chapter 17. And let's look at another chapter in Abram's life. So when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked to him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be a father of many nations. Let me ask you, how old did I say he was? And he's talking to a, a, a dad that has no kids. At what age? 
how, let me ask you, how many would get excited about your wife wearing a maternity dress following a 99-year-old man? I can already hear some people saying, there's something wrong with this picture. <laughs> Especially if it was me. Notice, notice this is God speaking. Then let's fast forward to Genesis 21, verses 5 through 7. Now when Abraham, his name has changed from Abram to Abraham. His wife's name has been changed from Sarai to Sarah. Verse 5, let's pick up on this on the story. Now Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Yeah, it was worse than boo. <laughs> and Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. Can you imagine? A hundred. And your wife next to it. Can you hear the crowd? Let me see your grandbaby. <laughs> oh, this is not my grandbaby. <laughs> you know, I can hear them now. Liar, liar. What's on fire? Your pants on fire. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I can hear it. I can hear it. I can even see it. This is an awesome day. Abraham has gone 99 years. And he's still in the business of... Bringing babies into this world. <laughs> That's a nice way of saying it. I mean, you know, we're getting ready for a marriage here seminar next week. Listen to me. There's a lot of lessons to be learned to this. There's a lot of things to process. You know, it doesn't matter what your age may be. The Bible says man looks on the outward appearance. But where's God looking? Where? On your heart. And God knows where, how, the condition of our heart. He knows what condition we're living in today. And he knows how we're processing life. And while man looks on the outward appearance, God doesn't care whether I'm bald-headed, whether I'm partially bald, or he doesn't care whether my hair is turning gray or what color it may be. He's looking to see what kind of a quality my heart is in today. Amen. And can I say this? I'm responsible for the condition of my heart. <laughs> but can I say this? He's the physician. I'm the patient. Oh, come on. Come on. Nudge your neighbor. There's three people that's going to wake up when you do that. Just nudge your neighbor and say, the pastor's not doing too bad this morning. Look at this. Look at this. Sarah says, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children at this age? For I have borne him a son in his old age. You know what this tells me? Number one, there's nothing impossible with God. Does the, does the Bible not say, prove me and see if I will not keep my word? That will I, will I, I will not honor my word? Whatever he said is what he is it do. The, the, in the Old Testament, uh, the Bible says, God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he'll do it. And can I say this? Let me just meddle a little bit. We all claim to be believers until we get to a point in the Bible that we don't believe. And then we have to put you in, in front of the word believer. God didn't do it. Yeah, and can I say this? We all get indigestion at times when we come across a passage in the Scripture that just doesn't make sense. Have you ever been in a church service when the 
youth pastor was just really preaching a good message, and boy, he was really saying some things that we knew it wouldn't fit, but that person wasn't here. And we said, boy, I wish Leroy was here today. He'd get his cup full. And then I've heard this. I didn't send this for Leroy. I sent it for <laughs> fire, fire. Yeah. Yeah. We used to sing this. We used to use the word N-E-G-R-O, but spiritual, but we don't use that word anymore. But there was a spiritual we used to sing when I was in grade school. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I don't know what word we'd put in there today, but uh, I'll let you think about that as you leave the service this morning. But I just want to tell you something. When we stay focused on God, even Mary, the mother of Jesus, just being a young, young virgin teenager was encountered by an angel sent from heaven and said mary mary god has chosen you you're going to bring forth a child his name shall be emmanuel which means god's with us and he's going to be the savior of the world and mary is just like you and i only i would have been in hysterics you're talking to the wrong person angel mary says how can i be the mother of a child when i know no man I've never had an encounter called sex. I've never been involved. And you're saying, I'm going to bring forth this child, and, and, and you're going to, we're going to call his name Jesus? I don't get it. And Gabriel says, you're the lady. And here's how she responded. According to your word, be it unto me. If we could take these words that Mary spoke to the angel that day, and when we come to the scriptures that are really dealing with the area of the crossroads we're living in, whether it's a wayward child, whether it's our finances have fallen, whether it's we've lost our job, no matter what we've lost, what, no matter what we're going through, if we could come, and when we come across a, a passage of scripture that ministered to us, if we could just say, according to your word, I'm going to receive it. Mary followed up with these words. Don't ever forget these words for with God. Nothing shall be impossible. We used to sing a song, Got any, any rivers you can't cross today? Got any mountains you can't move, tunnel through? Well, God specializes in things that are impossible, and what He's done for others, He'll do for you. And listen to me. I, I made a comment a few days ago uh, that when they were really stretching, uh, a gentleman was really stretching his faith. Why don't you get up there and help us with praise and worship? And I. I'm just like you. I have legitimate excuses and every suggestion that I don't want to act on. And I said, well, my singing sounds better in the shower today than it does on the platform. And he said, well, just get into baptistry then. <laughs> Nothing. I want you to think about what you're facing this morning with God. It's not whether it's impossible with God or not. Can I ask a very personal question? Are you involving God with your situation? Have you been honest with God and said, Lord, I just don't know how things are going to work out. But with you, nothing is impossible. No matter what you're looking at, no matter what you're looking at, no matter what in your life is not like it should be, no matter where you're standing, maybe you're filled with doubt, fear, and unbelief this morning, and you just need to, somebody to come along and say, it's all going to work out. Well, it's already been printed for you in Romans 8, 28. And it says, and we know that all things work together for good to those that love God, to all who are called according to His purpose. Do you know He's calling you today? 
He said, just, if you'll just follow me, just take up the cross and follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Amen. Have you ever tried to follow somebody? I've noticed kids try to take big steps when they were little tykes, watching the shadow of the one they were following, trying to do everything they could to really stretch to walk in the footsteps of the one that they were following. Jesus wants you to know it's that simple. Just walk and follow Jesus. And here's what he said. I'll teach you how to fish. I don't know about you. I never have been a fisherman. I've owned some, a, a couple of real nice boats. But here's how I, uh, here's how I uh, defeated the enemy uh, that always tries to torment me when I feel like I've wasted time. If I fished 30 minutes and the fish weren't biting, my mind began to say, look at all the things you could have accomplished if you'd have stayed home. And I didn't enjoy the last rest of the trip. So I got to processing, how can I make this a trip where I can just leave all my cares at the house, any frustration I'm dealing with? How can I just load Sherry and the kids on, and the pickup of that boat and go to the lake and just forget it all? And I, I'm not going to say it was the Lord speaking, but I, but I heard a voice speaking saying, uh, why don't you change uh, your view on that fishing trip and make it a picnic? Why don't you just take some cheese and crackers and some Pepsis and some Cokes and, and some candy and some things nobody else is going to watch you eat and a couple of angel food cakes. <laughs> and why don't you just go picnicking? If by chance the fish aren't biting, you haven't wasted your time, you've had a nice picnic. We all process life in different ways. But I want to say this. In Genesis chapter 21, verses 5, I love to reflect upon a man didn't do it perfect, but he's got the evidence in his hand. Isaac grows up to be a young man. And, and Daddy Abraham is still listening to the voice of God. Now picture this. He's had one son. He's 100 years of age. He's watched, he's watched a baby grow up to be a teenager and into his adult age. And God speaks to Abraham. And here's what he says. It's, he says, Abraham, or now when Abraham was 100 years old, when his son Isaac was born to him, Sarah had, had, been, had, had laughed and caused others to laugh. But then when he's speaking... I'm, I'm fishing for my second page of notes. There it is. Now he's fishing uh, for the answer to the next chapter in life. One day God speaks to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I want you to take Isaac and I want you to go to the mountain and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. Each year, Abraham had gone to the, gone to the mountain. He took a lamb was without spot or blemish and when he'd get to the top of the mountain, he would bind the legs of the lamb and he would slit the throat of that pure lamb without spot or blemish. And he offered the blood of the lamb as a sin offering for God. This year was different. God says, Abraham, I have some new instructions for you this year. I want you to get ready. I want you to get all the camping gear 
when she gets to fire the wood, the wood the, everything she's going to take to, to set the fire, build the fire on the altar. But you don't need to take the lamb this year. I want you to take Isaac. I know you only have one son, but I'm going to, I'm going to test you this year. I want you to lay that son on the altar, and I want you to be ready to slit his throat. Abraham says, a little tough, but I've learned your ways, ways are perfect and mine they're not. So he goes to the woodshed, he gets the wood, he gets everything he's going to take to set the fire. He gets everything ready. He has his knife sharp and he has everything ready. And he says to Isaac, it's time for us to go to the mountain. We're going to offer the sacrifice. On the way, to, they had servants with them until they got to the bottom of the mountain. When they got to the edge of the mountain, they told the servants, you stay here. I'm taking Isaac to the mountain. We're going to do our sacrifice today. And they haven't gone very far up the mountain when Isaac begins to look things over. Dad's got the wood. He's got the ability to light the wood. I seen him sharpen his knife yesterday. He's ready. But Dad forgot to bring the lamb. And as they continue to trot up the mountain, Isaac says to his dad, you've got to see this picture. It's a father who waited 100 years of age to have one son. He waited, and at, at, at the ripe old age of 100, he has a son, and then the son is, he's not a baby anymore. He, he, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how old he is, but he's a young man, but he's processing life. And he said, Dad, haven't you forgotten something? I've looked things over. Dad, you've got everything. You've got everything there is to make the sacrifice this year, but Where's the lamb? Only a dad could feel the wrenching of a heart of knowing that what God said, when you get to the altar spot, I want you to put Isaac on the altar. And you take that same knife that you've offered to sacrifice each time you've came to the mount, and you take Isaac's life. Isaac's processing, he's inquisitive, he's finally talking what he's thinking. Dad, haven't you forgotten something? I'm sure that day Abraham was so glad he had his back to Isaac because I can only feel those hot tears that are streaming down a father's face that's waited this long. Only one son. And here's the heart of a father that's waited so long to see God's word come true in his life. Hear the echoes of a dad that trusted the Lord. Isaac, you just put the worry aside. God's going to provide. They kept walking. I don't, know, I don't know how much fear was in Abraham's heart. I can only imagine. I don't know what he was processing. Possibly something like this. 
And I just didn't know this was in the bargain of following Jesus. I left the houses and land. I left my farm. I left everything. And I followed him. And he, then he gave me a son. He said, I'd be the father of many nations. He did all of that. But now he's sending me up to the top of the mountain. And, and the prized possession is my only son, Isaac. And now I'm having to put on a big front in front of my son with these words. Son, God's going to provide. And when they got to the mountain, the top of the mountain, and they built the altar, you know the rest of the story. As God stretched his, as Abraham stretched his son, I've had to, I've had to wonder. I, I, at a hundred, I'd hate to be wrestling with a, a teenager, an eighteen-year-old teenager, binding him and laying him on the altar. I believe when God told Isaac. Uh, you're the sacrifice, son. Take your place on the altar. It's only a part of God's plan. I, I have to believe there was such a knit between an elderly dad and a young son that Isaac just did what his father had said because he had learned that you train up a child in the way that they should go when they get older. They'll not depart from it. He had, he had saw, I believe he had saw the times when Abraham had spent time in prayer and he had heard Abraham cry out thanking God. God, you, you sent us a son. You blessed us. You strengthened us. You did all of this. I believe, I believe, I believe that Isaac had heard the words enough of his dad that he knew his dad knew best. And as Abraham took the knife, to slice the neck of his only son. God shows up. There's a lamb without spot or blemish that's caught in the thistles right behind the altar. Abraham had brought the sacrifice. God had provided it. And I'm going to say to some hurting people, some I know and some that I don't know, God wants to walk in your life this morning. And he wants you to know that the very element that's missing out of your life could be in the thistles right behind you. When Abraham heard the rustling in the thistles, he turned, and they're the most beautiful lamb without spot or blemish, just exactly like God had required, had been provided. If you're here this morning and you're hurting, let me reflect upon the Bible, the basic instructions before man leaves earth. God is faithful. He's just and faithful. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. His grace is sufficient. It's made perfect in your weakest hour. And he said this word, if you'll be willing and obedient. If you'll just be willing. He's speaking to all of us this morning He's saying something to us that's vitally important that could change the direction of our life today. But he's got something prepared for all of us this morning that will not only bring healing and restoration, but I look at the full picture. I should have been the one on the altar. I should have been the one who died for my sins. But instead, Jesus took my place on the altar and he said i'll die for you and me let's pray father 
Oh God, today, we need your help to stay focused in the world that's upside down this morning. How we need your help, how we need your strength this morning. And your grace is sufficient. It's always made perfect in our weakest hour. And Lord, it's no sin to question you about the plans because you said to trust in you with all of our heart. Not to lean to our own understanding. Lord, my mind will never understand everything that comes our way because you just didn't give me that kind of a mind. But you said in all of my ways, if I trust you, you direct my path. I release you, Holy Spirit, as you're speaking in the closing moments of this service today. Prepare our hearts this morning. We don't want a hard heart. We don't want a heart that's calloused with the cares of life and with the hurts that have came our way. But may we repeat today the words that the psalmist David said after he had transgressed after he had messed up so miserably, I find this written in, in his prayer of confession. Oh, Father, create within me a clean heart. Renew the right spirit inside of me so that I can teach transgressors away and sinners will be converted. Speak to our hearts this morning. We allow this moment, Father. These are quality moments. We, we ask you, to give us the ability not only to hear what you're saying, but to be as willing to go to the top of the mountain as Abraham was when he took his only son. All the praise goes to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray.